Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurred. That's a um, black nerd. And each week I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. Have we got a show for you? Natalie Orozco is back. And we remember 9-11 20 years later. And we discuss why, at least for myself, I found it very challenging to unpack or revisit or reflect or bear witness on the many of the documentaries that are resurfacing right now. And we didn't unpack why that is. Could it be that we are currently living through one trauma? Although I do have a recommendation for a musical center on 9-11 that I AOC went to the Met Gala and like anytime she does anything she and her dress has everyone talking on both sides it's Hispanic Heritage Month or is it Latinx Heritage Month well there is a big conversation about what exactly to call those of Latin descent and what terms to use so we discuss those Natalie and I we define different terms used to define the community and the huge conversation happening amongst and why some Afro-Latinos don't consider themselves Latino at all and why some millennials are calling out the anti-blackness of Latinidad and the history of whitewashing some going as far as canceling Latinidad gasps there's a lot happening what do we do we discuss and then natalie takes us through some fun facts about the legend the icon herself selena the original you know the one a bitty bitty bum bum let's get into it a bitty bitty bum bum a bitty 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 bum bum it's time to learn laugh and play Here we are. Happy birthday to Natalie. This is your birthday episode. Oh my God, it is. That's why I was invited That's to this why. show. What a, what, is there a better gift than me just putting some microphones together and hitting record and saying, let's talk, girlfriend. It's true. I'm cozy. I put some lipstick on. Poor Voo for you. Because you, you thought we we're there's, a, there's no video component for today. This I is know. all voice. But you look cute for me and no, I like it. No, it's confidence. It's confidence for okay. speaking. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, we're both, we're, uh, what we discovered today is that Natalie and I both run on color people time, or you called it Latinx time. I'm like, we got the same thing in my community too. Cause Natalie and I both do this thing where like, if I will always under promise, if I tell you, oh, I think it'll be ready in 15 minutes. I mean, at least half an hour to an hour. Yeah. I will always shoot less than like, and I think it's something with like mitigating expectations. I don't want to disappoint somebody. Good. But I end up disappointing them because... Even more. But if I told them I think it's going to take an hour, and then they would be like, ugh, an hour. But if I tell you it's going to take 15 minutes, you're like, oh, okay, I can wait for that. And then 15 minutes passes, and I'm like, mm, I think it's going to be another 15 minutes. Like, you just kind of breadcrumb it yeah, a yeah. little bit. I have that habit, that except... Mine is, I, yeah, yeah, I'll turn that around right away, but then it's like three days later. <laughs> well, I think that part of it is, is like, because here's the thing, then if it takes an hour... I told you it was going to take an hour. You were already rolling your eyes at that. 
And then I'm still not ready. And it took four hours. (laughs) Exactly. But you know what? Here we are. You're listening to this podcasting on demand. This is this is the future, baby. This is the future. We're here. We've made it. We've made it. Um, this is going to be an awkward transition. There's no smooth way to transition into this. So remembering 9-11. Yeah, that was not my most graceful. Do you remember where you were? 100%. It was one of those days that my uh i was in junior i was i was a junior in high school and my teacher said she was a little we're pretty sure she was a little bit of a racist uh, mrs long i think she was a little bit too sympathetic to nazis um, wow. looking back yeah. she was the one that was writing a paper on martin luther king jr she's like mm, but wasn't it better before they ended segregation and to her point flag but <laughs> oh man <laughs> This is one of those things that, like, Leah and I used to joke around when Minority Corner was first birthed when I was in high school because the minorities always sat in the corner of AP classes. <laughs> Weren't we sitting Lunch some- tables. Or when you and I were out yeah, to dinner yeah. once, in we DC. were sitting in a corner. We're like, see, the minorities are always sitting in a corner. Yeah, yeah, I remember. But, like, we would always kind of joke because we didn't really – there weren't the conversations, like, growing up in the 90s – at least in the suburban area that I was in, it was sort of this post sort of racial sort of thing. Like we were taught that like racism was in blatant acts of meanness, meanness, like writing the N word on the locker. Yeah. That's what you saw in like an episode of family matters or something. Right. Yeah. And the so super we, aggressive things. we did, it wasn't, we weren't aware of like the microaggressions or aggressions or the systemic ways that it exists. And so it was all these things in our head or just the jokes. Like when she would say that we'd be like, Oh, see, she might be a racist or maybe she was alluding to that. I don't, I think this is a reach. Things were economically better in terms of black people were able to keep their money within their community Mm. before segregation. Um, We lost a lot of that or even teaching jobs. So when segregation had ended, a lot of black teachers had just sort of, they lost their jobs Mm. because white, white parents didn't want their, um, their kids being taught by black teachers and, um, we just we kind of lost actually a lot of our, our economic mobility in some weird ways. Anyways, how did I get there? Nine eleven. She told me she was she told the whole entire class she was like you'll never forget everything about this day. She she's like you remember all the details and I remember all the details. I had woken up. I was watching I think probably like MTV music videos. They were <laughs> all stopped and I remember the first. I remember mm. there was confusion because something had hit the Pentagon. They weren't sure they. A bomb. They thought a bomb had happened. And then I remember the first tower had gotten hit. And then the second tower. And my dad was bringing me to school. My dad, you know, kind of has this sort of like old school black Baptist. Children should be heard, not seen. Or seen and not heard. Seen, not heard. I don't know what I, like, you know, I'm a teenager. What do I know? And I'm just like, yeah, dad, something is is happening. He's like, oh, you you don't know. This is not how my dad sounds like. But when I do an impression, (laughs) he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. What? And I'm like, yeah, I think there's like an attack that's happening. And then he saw it. We always pray in the morning before we went to school. And he said it with extra mm, prayer and off I went to school. And I went to school right next to the military base, Travis Air Force School oh. base. Where is this? Uh, this is in Fairfield. Okay. So I went to school, uh, Travis Unified School District. And there's only three Air Force bases on the West Coast. And so this was a huge sort of, again, that time we didn't know. We also went to school between an Air Force base and a Clorox factory. So we were like, oh, we're going to get attacked. We're going to get hit. There was so much confusion. It, and I remember I was eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's the <laughs> biggest thing that I will always remember is I was eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch. 
Do you remember 9-11? Not as detailed as that. <laughs> you don't remember when this your... This is where you don't my CP your, you, time really kicks you in. You don't remember when your racist teacher told you that, like, you know, things were better before, like, the, you know, I don't know, Brasietto program or something? That would have been awful. Yeah. I mean, I can see... Before the saddest part is I can see teachers who would still yeah. let that slip. Um. It's kind of insane to think that just all of these kids went to school and their teachers just had to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, everyone's just going to go to work and just hope that your city isn't hit. And, you know, teachers just deal with it. Um, I was getting up and I think a tower had already been hit. So mm. when I woke up into my dad's room, he was watching TV, which was weird because he'd already would have been up, showered, you know, made us breakfast. My dad would drive us to work. My mom was already, she worked in the city. She worked in San Francisco. She had already left to work. And then I remember seeing the second plane hit the second tower. Mm. And then that's when I was like, oh, this is live. This isn't like a TV show. But right. I was still sort of groggy. And yeah. I really, I was a teenager, right? I didn't, I loved sleeping in. It was hard for me to get up in the mornings. And I was like putting two and two together. So I remember it in flashes and people calling from Latin America, um, just making sure that we're okay and what had happened. So that's the scene. you were very far away. I know. <laughs> just I just remember my dad being like, "Hermano, they hit us. <laughs> they got us. We're not safe here." <laughs> He's Colombian, so it's like, you know, it's, yeah. But war, wars all the time. War happens all the time. Bombs happen all the time. But not in America. This was but such now a, it this did. was such an unusual experience. You know, yeah. like we just just we, such a privilege to say. One hundred percent. Not anymore. I mean, now we have our own citizens just kind of bombing well, each other and shooting each other. Interesting report that had come out. Uh, Biden had declassified some information from the nine eleven report. We still haven't really seen all the information that's come out. But a lot of families are obviously they want answers. You know, and they're requesting yeah, information, yeah. but. As it's coming out, and this is, I feel like this is also not a surprise, but people who were involved were connected to Saudi Arabia, and it just, we don't ever question enough, like, and yet we just have a really great relationship, and I'm not saying we need to go to war with Saudi Arabia or anything, but you just look at it, it's like, again, how did we end up in Iraq and, like, you know, Afghanistan and all these sort of things that end up happening, and 20 years of Afghanistan, and it was, oh, I had heard this report recently, please, sorry, I don't have the facts right in front of me, so... Google this to cross-references for yourself, dear <laughs> listeners. Um, but, you know, this, the war in Afghanistan that went on for so long, essentially the same deal that Trump had negotiated in 2020, the deal with the Taliban, mm. was pretty much the same deal that Bush had actually negotiated with the Taliban then. But then we just ignored... Recycled. Well, we just... It wasn't... It was like, no, 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 let's just keep going, right? Like, it just kept, keep on going with this war, this never-ending war at, at this time. But we ended up just being back right where we had started from. And just think about how much time that would have saved. These are really... Lives. These are lives. super hard conversations to have. I know a few things, which I still don't know how I know these things. I studied research, so I get, you know, tasked to go look things up and pull things and then... You're really surprised what's out there. I know that other countries wrote their own white papers. So Germany has its own 9-11 study. The UK has its own 9-11 study. Because if they're going to back a war, and actually some of the European countries, I don't know if it's all of them, but I remember either Germany or the UK. We're going to have to cross-reference this one. Um, had said actually. Sorry, we did not know that we were going to go get into 9/11 conspiracy <laughs> theories, and the line is so close. That's for oh, me. It's like yeah, I actually go. blur yeah. from yeah. the facts to the conspiracy well, theories. Because you watched Fahrenheit 9/11, and when the information was so raw, I've actually had to backtrack a little bit on my 
9-11 conspiracy theory yeah, stuff yeah. as I've gotten older and mainly just because from a heart space where I'm just like I don't want to live in a world where it's one of those things I'm just kind of like like I'll never know what really happened yeah. you know and also just I don't want to live in a world or a country where it was this malicious like internal I really think it planned was planned job I think it was out, honestly just shitty intelligence and a shitty look who was in charge yeah. I think they were just really shitty at their job and I think things and warning signs fell through I I'm less down the Fahrenheit 9-11 path as I once was. Yeah. And I, I think that's what the reports proved. It was just that shoddy uh, security, right? Now right. we all have the TSA. Mm. Take off all of your clothes. <laughs> do this like naked scan that has God, so much radiation. And yeah. they don't even work. Every time they, we test them, it's like no. people get through with all of the weapons, with all God, the drugs. Do you remember? You could just like, I could, if, Natalie, if you're like, I have to go to the airport. I'd be like, great. Shoes. I'd walk you all the way. Yes. And hug you I'd, at the door. Door, right? The airplane door, practically. I mean, if you've noticed romantic or movies where they rush to the airport, they don't do those scenes anymore because they'd run as far as TSA check and be like, wait, I still love you. Like, they can't go all the way to the gate. It's yeah. Like and then the person has to stand in line for like an hour and a half. <laughs> 100%. Holding their shoes. God, you would just be able to go in and out. And it's just like, it's interesting because again, this is like, what, 20 years. And so these are like adult children who it's just it's so interesting to be living in an era where there are folks who like are are adults and are voting and we're not alive they were not alive during the time of like the the two towers or seeing it in movies without yeah. being you know taken away digitally here's one of the thing that actually why i brought this whole entire thing up not only to remember but i actually have really been struggling there's been so many documentaries about 9-11 this year, especially because it's the 20th anniversary. So CNN's been doing a huge deep dive. Spike Lee did like a four-part series that was on HBO Max. It's called 9-11, 2021 and a half. It's called 9-11 to 2021 and a half. And essentially, it's sort of... Interesting. It, it also, they, he's filmed it during the... Who did it during during the Pandemola Anderson um mm. and so he's kind of linking one trauma to another nice i haven't been able to like so here's my whole entire thing i i'm huge on bearing witness i will watch like a community's like struggle i believe in bearing witness to like people's trauma and people's struggle i could not watch anything 9-11 related this year and i mm. i'm huge on history and, and understanding what happened i like to hear like and they've been interviewing people who were down there at ground zero and all this sort of stuff I couldn't take in any of it this year. And um, what I realized is, is because I'm still currently in a trauma. Yeah. We're still in it. And in, we're, we're, it's kind of, we're kind of like, la, la, la right now. Like you and I were talking, you're like. And many actually. And like, we're kind of almost in this weird space where, I mean, we really never lived in that we were going through this trauma, you know, we. Yeah kind of similar like when you were saying that like it was weird on the day of 9-11 everyone just had to go business as usual like we all went to school we all went to work like yeah we're not good at just stopping because capitalism wild to me must be fed it's this beast that like you have to keep feeding it it's a bit of a zombie moment well that's the perk of getting to work for yourself but what are you doing why are you going to work stay home i think of the the day that trump uh got elected 
a lot of white yeah a lot of white families though pulled their kids and didn't go to school i'm oh, thinking I, of like the pacific northwest i'm thinking of like yeah. teachers my friends who got their masters in education and were pulled working their kids out of school, school today yes there were work. straight up families <laughs> that didn't go to work and wow. kept their kids at home yeah, I like would. that was also a very traumatic day, mm-hmm. depending on what side of the aisle you voted 100%. on. Hundred percent. I will say January sixth, which is odd that we're like it hasn't been a full year, but like that was a, I had stopped work. I I did leave work that day, but I'm in a different. Like I was an hourly employee back when Trump got elected, so I was like, oh, I gotta work for this money. But like now, you know, I'm a salaried employee, so I could be like, I'm taking some personal PTO. Time, some PTO. I need it. PTO. But so I so I, this whole entire thing is like I wasn't able to bear witness, and what I realized is again, it just was because I'm in the middle of one. And oh, here's the other thing that I realized: why I'm more able to like bear witness to the struggles as fucked up as they are to other underrepresented groups or communities. I will watch these documentaries, these fucked up stories. I'll watch them so I can bear witness and be activated, empowered. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing with nine eleven, diving in deep. There's nothing that Good. I feel like I can do Good. to prevent. There's because nothing. what if, so I'll, I'll just ask questions here. What if it's because it's propaganda? Because when you really grassroots organize, it should be an activation. Right. Activate me, transform me, let's improve yeah. as a people, as a society, as a race, as a whatever. Like even if you, if you watch like 12 Years a Slave, as like some people, it's, it's hard, it's grueling. But you're learning something about history and you're saying, I don't want this to like happen again. And you feel like I feel like there's things that I could do to help like with with again with like a terrorist attack, like something like that. It's so much larger and like out of my pay grade. Out of your hands. Like there's nothing I could really do about it. Like I can't go host a conversation with like, you know, these terrorists who our country has probably wronged in some way or another. In all the it's, ways. In all the ways. Right. So it's like. I think that's where I just feel so exhausted because I was thinking about this. Is like I, again, I will watch like documentaries. It's hard. It's you, you're never in a space where you want to watch them, but you do it because it's the right thing to do to bear witness and then to be able to have conversations and to feel empowered to make the right moves. But so I just I think I was like I sorry to those people who were a part of those documentaries and those series. I just did not have the space to yeah. watch this year. Or the families who were impacted and lost. I believe there was a nine eleven trust, right? Yeah. If you lost a parent in one of the mm-hmm. towers or one of the crashes, it was um, it was it was a it was a national trauma. Yeah. And now this pandemic is which we're still a in. global trauma, but. And I texted, I actually texted a friend, a guy I used to date in New York. He, his cousin was not supposed to, worked in those, worked in the towers, wasn't supposed to go in that day, went in. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a I guess lot of living, in, living in New York, you, I was meeting a lot of people who were there or yes. were affected by it. And so it was a whole different sort of experience. I did actually watch a musical called Come From Away. It was on, it's on Apple Plus. It is, uh, they filmed it in June, but it's a musical they wrote, I think it was on the 10 year anniversary, I think it came out in 2011, and it's set in Newfoundland, and it's about, it's based on a real life story of people who are grounded 
in a small town in Newfoundland, Canada, all these, I think they grounded like 200 planes that day. Thank you for saying Canada, because I was about to ask, where's Newfoundland? <laughs> uh, the place where my grandfather, who I thought was Portuguese, but turns out he is Swedish, is from. Oh, wow. A whole other story Fun to unpack. Fact. Yeah, when you think you're 25% Portuguese and it turns out you're Swedish. <laughs> Fun. Uh, I'm sorry, not Swedish. Sorry. This is new information. <laughs> Uh, uh, um, oh shit. Oh wait, it is Swedish. No, not Swedish. Oh, Scandinavian. Yeah, but, oh, but Scandinavia is, is, oh, the, is Finland, Denmark, Sweden. Oh, Sweden. The yeah, three of them combined. I don't know for sure that he was Swedish. I just know that Scandinavia. He's from up there. Yeah. In that okay. region. Anyways, thought I was Portuguese. Speaking of, of countries that rocket that kind of do well in education and covid cases and yeah Wait, voting but is that a case for homogenous for homogenization oh, because no, that be is careful. part of the i know i just i'm asking questions they just stick to themselves they're i don't know what their immigration policies are like not, or, they're not kind they've put like all the refugees on an island denmark uh-huh. did that so i don't know it's a, that's a whole other can of worms that we'll look into a different day but come from away the musical yes so it's about the these so it's probably like a cast of 12 people and it's a beautiful story based on all real life accounts these 12 people play like the townspeople people who are on the plane it's so well done they play all these different characters it's it's musical it's beautiful it's canada um it is it's got that sort of like canada charm but it's it's canada but it's a small town in canada so even think even kinder and sweeter and nicer and even 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 better and i was able to watch this story and was moved by it and you know what part of it was is that because it was theater i wasn't being bombarded i think part of my issue with the documentaries they're always showing the image of the tower i can't handle seeing it I was there. I think it's the same experience for some people who survived the AIDS epidemic. They're like, I can't watch documentaries sometimes about it because they like lived through it. And so I think for me, it's like I can hear people's stories, but I can't I can't see the images. It's just it's a lot. It's just uh, it's triggering. One thing about that, this 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 musical, though, side eye your heroes. It's a beautiful story. But at the same time, it was cast of 12. And I think there were two is a black woman and a black man and then a man who was ambiguously raced because he played like a latinx person from brooklyn but then also like someone from egypt like an egyptian man and then there's a scene where like it's very quick and there's people who are praying and they just dress up the women and just like these like head scarves real quick it was like a five second scene but i'm like y'all just could have cast like a few and i get it because it's supposed to be this town in newfoundland that's probably very like white or whatnot but it's theater. Like, if you're going to, uh, they could have cast more people of color to tell this story. Yes. And then on the flip side, it is based on a true story. And then when they show the pic- the pictures of the people that they were playing, it was mostly white people. But then I'm also like, well, they just interviewed mostly white people then to create this story. You know, like there were other people who were affected by 9-11 than just white people. And they could have cast yeah a more diverse it's it's theater in theater you can really get away with it more so than in you Release. can do it in film but theater especially has a lot more leeway with it yeah anyways well i'm glad you found an artistic outlet you still participated in 9-11 memories remembering i don't think i did actually I, my roommate came <laughs> the one that doesn't live in the house <laughs> um 
and he wanted to talk about it at dinner and I just didn't want to and he's from South Africa Interesting. I think and he remembered he remembered where he mm. was he was buying groceries or chips with his best friend and interviewing people you know for some sort of school project and he ran home he ran home because the US had been hit and it was on every TV in South Africa so fascinating not wild they mentioned this in the musical that like because there was like a moment of silence that happened and they observed it in in newfoundland like they all participated in it and around the world there was a moment of silence like three days into it or two days after the attack and he said they said in it they're like had this happened in this country or another country like when have we really observed the attacks or atrocity like we don't Everyone cared so much about what happened. And it's so interesting that in South Africa, they were like, the world stopped when we for once were attacked. When it's like other places get attacked all the time. Sometimes it's us like perpetrating the attack. It's just so interesting how everybody was affected by it. On American Election Day, the world stops to watch. There's something really interesting about, and you know this, having friends who are from Europe or from other parts of the world, but particularly Europe. I have a lot of friends that are German and Danish and Swiss. Okay, world traveler. Well, I worked there. Oh, They're no, all very close right. together. No, you just drive and you're I there. I know. I have a world class. I travel too, so I have a lot of world class friends too. But they. What up, Gavin in Spain? <laughs> <laughs> hola, Gavin. Anne, Anne in the Netherlands. <laughs> hola, hola, Anne. Hola, Gavin. But okay, so hola. so in Swiss. Let's also, go Gavin Swiss. is British, but he does live in Spain. But but Fernando. Um. The the friends in Switzerland and in Germany and Denmark are like, oh, my God, how can your uh, political system be so broken? We modeled ours after yours. Mistake. Right. So the German friends are like, we have a democracy because of America. Like we modeled our constitutions after yours. And these are people who are actually educated. They have a public school right. system that their countries invest in. Yeah. So they look at the U.S. as like, but you were leading. Like, we copied you. Happen? Why are you this dumb? Have, Why are you? And my answer is always like, because we're really ignorant. Because we're really uneducated. Like, that's constantly my answer to a lot of my friends. I'm going to switch us gears into something not as depressing here. The Met Gala happened. And there's only one thing that I want to talk about. And that everyone else is talking about. Yes. Well, there's many a thing. So, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez... She went to the Met Gala, and of course, anytime she like walks out, she's like the Britney Spears of politics. Like, yeah, yeah. she can't like cross the street without it creating a buzz where yeah. it's either you hate it, you love it. It's so polarizing, and it's she's a she's a woman, and she's a woman that they feel like they can fuck with. Because if you notice, Cory Bush, they don't fuck with her. Mm. It's interesting. Like, Is it it's that so, she's young. Is it that she's I think it's because she's a young a woman Latina, of color, and they mm. feel like they can do it. And women in politics are always harassed but I, something about women journalists Bush too. that they just don't fuck with like a certain like if you are a certain like same thing Maybe with like Stacey Abrams give her more because I think oh, you don't just, mess with Stacey because they also I think it's just too blatant the racism when yeah. when it's is like a Cory Bush or Fair. like the racism and like I don't know maybe they're scared of of them and they're like we're not just gonna fuck with it there's just something wouldn't you be like you don't mess with that <laughs> but it's interesting they feel like they can go after Ocasio yeah they infant- infantilize her a bit right and they just make her into this like demon thing that she is not anyways she went to the Met Gala and she wore a dress and I had an emotional roller coaster reading this article and then I understood everything 
So that's why you always read all the information. But she went to the Met Gala, and I'm like, oh, isn't that for rich people? And the dress says tax the rich. And it's white. And so it's also a, like a white wedding dress, mm. and it's red paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it has a sort of just sort of like... The drama. It's the drama of it. And that's not us the Met Gala is all about anyways. It's like the drama of the What was outfits. this year's theme anyway? This year's theme was, wait for it. I only really know from social media, by the way. I have no idea what actually happens inside of a Met Gala. <laughs> I just know all the dresses get posted on the internet. Wait, I wait. This year's, okay. This year's theme was in America, a lexicon of fashion. In America, a lexicon of so the theme was like America and like the uh, uh, of like the history of like Mexico, not Mexico. <laughs> That's later on. That's later. Um, <laughs> but just like the theme of like the theme was like America. And this is where she like went with it. And so people were just like, oh, well, like, wow. You know how hypocritical like she's, you know, as if she's like sold out because she's going to the Met Gala. She makes like $120,000 a year and, and lives in New York and, and D.C. Right. And <laughs> but also like, you know, she's but she didn't make the system, you know, and like she like go off girl like and the tickets are like $35,000. So people are like, oh, wow. Like, you know, you're saying tax the rich, but you're in this environment where it's like all these, you know, rich people or whatnot. Yeah. But then when you do some digging and find out the full information and she already knew that people are going to be side eyeing and yeah, all this yeah. sort of stuff. And what I do kind of think is interesting. She made the conscious choice to say, I am going to go and I'm going to make a statement and kind of be like, hey, all you rich people, we need to be taxing you. Right. Yeah. But when you find out all the information, um, so the dress is from um, Aurora James, who's the founder and creative of director of Brother Vallejas. These are fashion words. I don't know. But from Brooklyn, right? From her um, district. Yes. And so, yes. And that's why she was invited, because she's a congresswoman in New York. All of the folks who are in New York are invited to the Met Gala because there is connected. They're their constituents, and they are going to be connecting to like how funding is being provided for the arts. And it's hob. This is part of the game. It's hobnobbing. Like if you were in Iowa, you'd have to go to the local. You know, you have to go to the local like cheese library fair. opening. <laughs> but there is a thing like every time like, when they do yeah. like the Iowa caucus, they all have to go down there and eat deep fried cheese things, right? <laughs> or whatever it is. There's a thing that they all have to do when they go to the fair. Have you been to Iowa? <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not just being generalizing. <laughs> They've seen it. They all have to go down to the county fair and there's like oh a deep fried Twinkie okay, or something Okay, yeah, the, the fair, the county there's fair. The county That's fair. a place where you'd see a pol- or the politicians kissing the babies. I don't yes. know where they're at. Church. So this is where what are she's doing. Out? She's having a go She gets to go to the Gala in a designer the, dress. Exactly. It's hard work, but she go and do it. But this is also the founder, the guy who designed her dress is the founder of the 15% pledge, um, which calls on major retailers to dedicate at least 15% of yes. their shelf space to black owned businesses. Yes. So and 15% is still a very low bar businesses. Yeah. Yep. And and she is like, you know, out there, you know, doing the work, but she already knew that people were going to be, you know, coming for her or whatnot. And she put some posts out there on like social media and stuff. And like, so yes, the ticket was $35,000 and people were like, they're like, oh, someone was like, it wasn't really free because like someone has to pay for her to attend. And that made it seem like it was as if her constituents, constituents were having to pay it. for it. Mm-hmm. When you actually do the work which we all should be doing instead of out here just tweet twatting around doing some work instead of just like going off what our our thoughts are um it comes to find out that the ticket was actually donated and her yeah. dress was borrowed yeah 
And so she actually went there to just actually make a statement. She was invited. Which it worked because what's the number one hashtag? What is everyone talking about right now? And would it have been better? And this is the thing that I think sometimes people don't get. Sometimes like you need people on all sides of the thing. I need people on the outsides chanting. And then I need people on the insides doing the work and making the connections. And she politicized. What do politicians do? Politicize. Yeah. She got everyone to talk about a social issue. 100%. 100%. Like she's, Don't hate because you can't relate. Okay. Put, right? There it is. That's the t-shirt. Put that on your Met Gala dress next time. Oh my God, time. no. I just want a t-shirt that says it. <laughs> <laughs> I will never go to the Met Gala. <laughs> Knock on wood. Maybe I will. Well, I just thought like in honor of it is Hispanic Heritage Month, which I want to talk to you about that name in a moment. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to highlight like here it is, a woman who is part of the community in the Latinx community making history. We're like, living through history right now. And I a just leader was... in the Latinx community and a leader for all young people everywhere. She's the youngest person in Congress. Well, no, I think Matthew isn't Matthew Hawthorne. Oh, but she was first, right? She, she, she was, kind of broke the mold. Yeah, and now she's been seated by that guy. I know. Like, I follow him on social media. Just because you in a wheelchair doesn't mean that I can't call you a fuck boy. <laughs> like that's equity, right? Is that, <laughs> is that equity? Yes. <laughs> He's not going to pass. Yeah. All right, when we come back, we are going to dive in. It is Hispanic Heritage Month or Latin, can we, Latinx Hispanic Heritage Month? We'll discuss. I have stats for you. Okay, great. We're going to do a dive into what this month means and also, uh uh-oh, why some uh, Afro-Latinos are canceling Latinidad. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Listen, we talk about all the stuff that we talk about on this show. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, you're taking in all this information. You're here because you care. You are affected by this information, and you probably need to get into some therapy. Everybody does. It's a lot to take in and navigating these communities and these spaces and these identities and work and love and our dreams and ambitions. You don't have to go it alone and you may not even actually been feeling depressed at all. And that's totally fine. Success leaves clues. Get into that therapist chair. Talk about it, about your winning success formula and why things are going so well. And I will say, because when shit does hit the fan, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I have this space for me to be able to work and process and deal with things. So it can be anything from just venting from the day to unpacking what has happened to you, as we've been talking about here on the show. So can't recommend BetterHelp enough. BetterHelp, it is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And what's nice about it, it's more affordable than in-person therapy. So check it out. See if it's for you. You can do it in the virtual space. Really cute. And you got to leave your safe space. This product is sponsored by BetterHelp and Minority Corner listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com minority. Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash minority. We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. 
In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. I just took a DNA test. It, uh, it turns out that I am 98% that bitch. Um, <laughs> because when you add up all the numbers, it does not add up to 100%. So the Lizzo song only kind of works for me. But when I found out that I am 2.5% Mesoamerican. Oh, wow. I know. Wait, how many? 2.5%? 2.5%. I mean, you know. Mesoamerican. Yeah. I mean, I, and, but here's the thing. I don't want to like Elizabeth Warren this and like, well, she was like 0% Cherokee or something, wasn't it? She, so I'm not like trying to go to meetings and be like claiming space, but I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to talk about all my feelings right now. <laughs> About my 2.5%. <laughs> no, I'm not, none of that, none of that at all. But I am like just making and not even, not claiming anything, but I am like, I am here and I, I celebrate this 2.5% of me. Absolutely. And so it is, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. I do have questions because, and as we, we're going to define some of these terms in this corner I want to uh, talk about, because um, words are important. Um, and it's interesting, I don't know, like is... So that, let's starting there. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah. Instead of Latinx Heritage Month, should it be being rebranded? Because when we look at, let's look at the terms Hispanic and Latinx. Like yeah. Hispanic, as it's been defined, is pretty much folks from countries that speak Spanish. It discludes, it would disclude Brazilians. Correct. It would, um, um, and it was kind of a term that was really just designed during the census. And Spanish, like Spain, Spaniards are actually not Hispanic. Hispanic right. actually, so fun fact, in the 1960s, yes. Mexicans and Puerto Ricanos got together and advocated to be on the census. So can right. you imagine not even being on the census? So they advocated, and they came up with the term Hispanic, oh. Hispanohablantes, yes. But then, mm. in the 90s, being Latino became a thing. Mm -hmm. And so now, the U.S. Census, and this is a fun fact, yeah. I listened to the director from the Pew Speaking Research the Center. Microphone. Don't look oh, at yeah. me. Yeah, but right? I love looking at no, you. No, no. Into the microphone. <laughs> These are good things. Natalie's like all off on the side of I the I love that we're in person right now. <laughs> like, I wore lipstick and put on makeup for him. Because she look cute. I get to be in the room with him. Look cute for me. Okay, so in the in the nineties, Latinos became a term, and so now the census just uses it interchangeably, mm, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then there's also this one spot on there, and it's like, but there's also like there's like non-white Hispanic. That sucks. That really sucks. I know. That that's making the research all kinds of ways yes because it means that oh yeah i think i sent you that article yeah that means most latinos are now marking that they're white and right. so all of a sudden like what is 10 years ago there were latinos who identified as people of color and mm -hmm. now it's there's this gigantic drop and we see latinos are identifying as white people but knowing a little bit more now about like the terminology of like where the term hispanic has come from because i have again maybe it's just a generational thing like i don't 
I don't like to use the word Hispanic because I feel like it has, and that's just, and tell me what, what I should use. I mean, I am 2.5%. <laughs> what should I be using? But you it's going to get complicated because I'm 2.5%, but I am also like 38% Nigerian. So it know. really is whatever you want it to be. I've always identified as Latina when the word Latinx well, came out. I love out, the way you say it. When, when, when academics really wanted it to be a thing. It reminds me of Mean Girls of like, stop it, Gretchen. Latinx is not going to be a thing. It's not going to be a thing. Well, but the thing is, the his but for uh, Latinx, it also is helping to break down the sort of machismo and sexism yep. and yep. also like uh, homophobia of it. And that felt like it was a more opening space. Yes, it's and, more inclusive. Yes. So when That's you're talking its biggest about Latinx, pro, but yeah. it's not used enough. I think the... Speaking of the new, give it some time. Oh my god. Okay. Like, didn't it come out in the like two (laughs) thousands? It's been twenty years. No, I think it's been like it was not. I wasn't in college when Latinx had hit. It was like it was more my adult life. Okay, so I want. So we're in. We're in this Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month period, and it goes from September fifteenth to October fifteenth. And some of you might be like, "What? It's starting in the middle of the month. This is confusing. I don't get it." Yeah. While everything always has a meaning of why all of these heritage months are in specific months, they all have a meaning. And so um, uh, each year, so what what ha- happened was, is that it's celebrating histories and cultures and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. And the observation started back in 1968 as Hispanic Heritage Week under President LG, LJ, LJB, am I saying the letters right? LJB. Yeah, Lin- LBJ. That's what it is. <laughs> there was, it wasn't in here. I was trying to call him by his nickname, but it wasn't, I didn't write it down. So, but Lyndon Johnson was like, okay, we need to, because you know, he had that pen and he was like, you get a holiday. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you get you, a whole week. You get school. We're, you know, he was, you know, Civil Rights Act. Okay, you voting. Like he was just signing away. He was great. Um, and then it was expanded by this always, he always does this and they always have to be like, Ugh, damn it. Is it a pleasant surprise? It always is a pleasant surprise. Is it Ford? No. Reagan. Ugh. He does this. He did this with AAPI as well. He like, it'll start off as a week and he'll be like, they get a month. And it's like, fuck you. I thought you were the most terrible human being ever. Yeah. And he was like, it's not, he, he, he's done this before. So Ronald Reagan, he's done a few good things in 1988. I don't know. He's probably like, he was losing his mind or something and out of office. He's like, oh, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and so he said it would cover a 30 day period starting on September 15th and ending on October 15th. And that was enacted into law on August 17th, uh, 1988. And September 15th, you, you you know why September 15th is a significant importance? I don't know why it's the oh, 15th. Okay. September 16th is Independence Day across a lot of Latin America. Well, according to this article and the website, and please let the website know if it is wrong and we need to adjust, but it does say that countries like Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua, okay. it's their anniversary of their Independence Days. It okay. could be the same. They might have just rounded to okay. the 15th. Like maybe some had the 16th, some had the 15th, and they were just like, okay, we all I do I know the now I'm very rusty and I'm very embarrassed because I have an, a Latin Didn't American Latino a degree studies in this? degree. <laughs> I did, but right now I'm like, but Mexico's and Colombia's is on the 16th. That's so, what my yeah, is. that makes sense. Yes. 
Oh, okay. Here's what we're okay. And then, oh no, you're right. Look at this. The next line literally says, "Mexico <laughs> and Chile celebrate their Independence Days on September 16th." Yes. Get that degree, girl. Yes, you earned you. it. You knew what you was talking I mean, about. I only remembered the one that mattered, which to me, because I was Mexican and I wanted to know my mom's Mexican Independence Day. But this also gives reference to like uh, Columbus Day or Dia de la Raza, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. October twelfth, falls yeah. within that thirty day period. So that is why there's a lot of cultural significances around that period that's why they were like okay we're not going to start at the top of september september and october are also very important and like crunch it in if you put it on the 15th and the 15th you get like you get all, all these independence you just get days. it all they're all just like in this period so that's the history of it but when you get into it and this is what we've kind of already been talking about and what like an arduous road ahead that forging this ethnic identity around Latinx or like, or even Hispanic or whatever it evolves into, or this debate that's happening, um, you know, it was a necessity to, in the face of white supremacy and anti-Mexican Juan Crow laws, which yeah, we yeah. talked about essentially on here. And so like you were saying, these groups banding together because there's power in that yeah. into creating a shared this community. pan-ethnic pan community. And then it just and, and, and it, it's interesting because there, there gets a challenge because well then who gets included into that and yeah. there are some groups who are feeling discluded and I think it's so interesting because you know I had a DEI DEIB at my at my company and trying to rally community groups together under it's been it's a challenge because even sometimes amongst the AAPI community sometimes you're like well their ancestors had like you know attacked and killed my ancestors yeah, yeah. and so there's historical beef there and so when you're like we're part of a group in a community it you just put makes all it... of my letters together but we still have beef yeah so it gets really challenging at least from my job perspective because i'm like i'm just trying to form committees <laughs> like how many committees we got i want to give you power <laughs> and if you band together you get more power and it's more money it's very hard when there's just one person in their own little committee over there and so that's the whole idea is i just trying to group and empower people together speaking of okay so i'm traveling through latin america and i like i get this like big emotional i think i, I had it was in the Caribbean, mm. and I've seen sla uh, slave ports, right? Because Colombia definitely does history oh, very um, transparently, no really? shame, just like they're like, oh, we had slaves. Yep, and this wow. this is how many came in, and this is how many died, and some other countries, Brazil, Argentina, need to take note. Yeah. I mean, it was the port. It was this is where we came from. Well, I mean, they all of these countries had. We're gonna get into some of this data. True, true. But you had to, you had okay, so I'm there. I had, I had my emotional experience, and I thought, God, I'm just this mix of like a colonizer and a colonized. I'm, mm. I've got indigenous blood in me, but I've mm. also got this like Spaniard Portuguese blood in me. Mm. I, I represent rape, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember, and I was traveling alone, right, mm -hmm. with my backpack, and I didn't have people to process this with so I just got really quiet mm. like I spent three days just quietly walking through or being on buses in kind of like northern Colombia over by the Caribbean and seeing of course all colors mm -hmm. and realizing I'm just this hybrid and I wonder how many of us right this melting pot how many more humans are just going to be mixed 
well, especially, we're just going to be this. Well, and I think what's interesting, and we're going to dive deeper into this, and this is kind of, wow, this is almost like, you know, my thesis, and I think like every community is having to have a come to Jesus moment of like understanding what the, that culture is and what it represents. I think there are many people within like the Latinx community who have that like indigenous ties or ties to the Tainos who were like the, you know, originators who were, you know, either wiped off or, you know, raped and, and, and bred or whatnot, the small amount that were, you know, left, but there is, or connected to slavery, right? So there's almost like, which we're going to get into this almost perhaps whitewashing that sometimes happens within the community that there are, some are, 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 are calling attention to. And so Going back, we talk about the Latinidad. The Latinidad? Latinidad. Latinidad. Predates 20th century. It's like century. Navidad. The Latinidad. Yes, do, yes. Do, 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 do. I got to sing the song. Latinidad. Oh my God. We're coming up with our own album. Coming uh, out December, January yes. 2022. It's about voting. <laughs> so it predates the 20th century census data, actually, and I, the marketing advertising agencies in the 1970s, because also they were like, okay, we want to make money out of this group of people, so yeah. we'll lump them together. So yeah, yeah. the terminology differed, and access and mobility connected to... Um, it was also connected to like, you know, mobility and things like that. And so by the early 1500s, Spanish conquistadors who reached mainland North America, specifically Mexico and the Carolinas, they were bringing in Africans along their expeditions and their voyages continued and they travel and they expand. And there weren't many Spaniards of European lineage left to settle this newly conquered land. And so it was left to the Hispanicized native, it was left to the Hispanicized natives who were mixed blood of all kinds um, and Negroes. So that's kind of where it all had kind of started from. Wow. So even just looking at that lineage and stats show that in the 1790s, California, for example, 71.1% of Spanish speaking settlers were of mixed origin. Um, but these figures don't erase the hierarchy that started to develop based on racial categorizations, especially, you know, when you start looking at skin color which yes, we're going to dive yes. even further into there is just this literally thing when you think about it we're just talking about pigment we literally it's just wild when you really think about this caste system that has been created because yeah. it literally is just skin color it's outrageous as you think it is it because is, the people that created it are this small-minded well and it's just interesting because it's like i guess it's interesting when i think about a caste system in the americas that's not in north america or the united states just when I think, cause I, and I guess it's even my own thinking of just sort of thinking, well, I'm like, well, but how are you creating this hierarchy? You're all part of like the same culture. You all speak like the same language, but we're able to break down is based off of skin color. And it's, I mean, it's the same thing that we've done here, yeah. right? Um, but in my mind, I have, you know, homogenized this group of people, my own people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Elizabeth Warning here. <laughs> I'm only doing it because you're here. And if we weren't friends, like it's almost like I feel like I can't. This is why I'm we recording. say things that we forget that we're being recorded. And people are like, whoop, canceling James. So, uh, well, not before I cancel Hashtag you first. check in James. Okay, so I, I've set all this up because I want to dive into, um, you know, there is a movement that is, there's a lot of, you know, black Latinx folks who are just calling into question and challenging this idea of 
Latinidad and Hispanic, you know, origin and things like that, because like, who does it include? You know, you look at the slave trade, there were 10.5 million folks of African descent who crossed on the slave trade. 90% were dropped in the Caribbean and South America. 90% were dropped in the Caribbean and South America. So you're already starting to think like, okay, and then who was left there? And you acknowledge like, you know, Colombia acknowledges its participation in slavery. A lot of countries, not necessarily. Like we've done corners in the past where Aneke had discovered her Argentinian roots, which she had no idea. Mm. And Argentina doesn't really talk about that they used to have black people there, right? And yeah, they all... had a big whitewashing. That was, I mean, I, I can't remember the president's name. Oh, I really should have studied for this <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> you saw it was on the dot. Argentina, <laughs> I'd say Uruguay, Paraguay, they're definitely Latin American countries the that had the policies to black, get rid of mestizos. Yeah, yeah, get rid of anybody that's mixed. I wouldn't have stayed alive. I'd be like, nope. There was the, uh, in Brazil, it was the Braquimento. And then in Mm. uh, Central and South America, they had uh, Braquimento, which literally means whitening. It was literally literally the whitening that happened. It's Um, genocide. It's, It's another term for genocide. Yes, 100%. And also, too, creating open door policies. So what, um, after emancipation happened, which is also just so wild to me, like, I really want to study even further um, just black folks journey in South America because I'm hearing these words and I'm so used to being attached to the United States mm. um, and maybe the, like and, and just, or now just kind of even getting connected to even that 2.5% of me a little <laughs> bit even more you know where that came from um, but I would love to like dive in deeper because it could be part of like my history and absolutely absolutely you know? I went to a race training with uh, Milagros Phillips yes I'm highlighting her right now um and she told that the first time that christopher columbus hit the america or india what he thought was and india was actually the dominican republic yeah mm-hmm. right so yes. we so it's not this Where story the of like oh we met in yes. the u.s actually no he hit pretty south and he hit well, the islands first well that's the island of hispaniola mm-hmm. which is the island of haiti and the dominican republic which again mm-hmm. when you think about it it's like them's the same people yes y'all's the same people yes and just again, that treatment again, like sometimes people, you know, in the DR will like try to run away from like their black lineage or that's why when you see things like in the Heights where people are just like, well, mm-hmm. but where are we? If you're saying that these people are from the DR, like where are we represented? You know, yeah. again, anti-blackness is a worldwide pandemic. Yes. That I think, again, every culture is having to have it is it, it's come to Jesus. That's moment. the other trauma. That's what I'm, there's infinite traumas if we really look at the entire uh, spectrum. Okay, fine. Global no, no, no. experiences. Right. No, no, no. You're right. I just was having my moment with my trauma. Oh, God. <laughs> looking back again. So you had again looking at the makeup of what these countries are. So even after emancipation in South American countries. You know, there were just a lot of like, so life didn't get better for darker skinned Latinos. And um, there was lots of slavery all around Latin America, right? People just fucking love that slavery. Can't get enough of it. It was its own little pandemic, epidemic, rearidemic, whatever you want to call it. It was a demic. And outside Nigeria, oh, outside outside Nigeria, Brazil is thought to have had the highest location of people of African descent. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. I know. I'm thinking and actually again, just regionally where Brazil it, is located. And that's, again, when you start talking about 
well, who does make up the Latinx community? Because when you see it on television or represented, it is much more of like this, you know, Jennifer Lopez, Selena Gomez. Like it is this much more Camille Caballo. But we also talked about how the Portuguese, because they don't speak Spanish, weren't even considered Hispanics or Latinos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they are the biggest. At least in South America, there's that biggest terrain, right? Is I... Not to be conspiratorial, but was that purposely so? That maybe it's like, okay, there's a lot of black people over there. We're not going to consider them. Like, we're going to say that we're going to go Hispanic route. And so it's just people who speak Spanish. That's like what the classification is. And so that might undercut. Just a yeah. the theory. I don't know. I don't have any backing, but it seems suspicious that this place where all these black people live in. Well, Portugal also has a lot of indigenous communities. It's got the biggest mm. Amazon chunks. So they also couldn't find everybody. <laughs> for the census like there's also get out of here we couldn't find everybody okay all yes, right no, no, it's true well, there's well, like 30 find all the black people there's an, in the jungle there's an, an the organization called get Pacha, out of here it's an organization called pachamama alliance a true you. story there's about 30 indigenous groups that have been unidentified until oh, recently that are coming them. out because they want to like oh, understand the western don't stay hidden i know but they need to protect the amazon forest because everyone's taking it so they're like how do we get a political seat oh, like what is money like, we need to tell y'all yeah yeah stop so we're starting this. to see these indigenous groups that even the government well the government's frankly killing and bullying but um, they're starting to band together for the very first time. So as I had mentioned, we were talking about this. There was this whitening, this, you know, uh, Blackimento movement. Yes. Um, and so the idea was that they were using laws, especially places like in Argentina and even in Brazil, that were using law, immigration law to help whitening the community. Right. Yes. And so uh, they made it very easy for Europeans, white Europeans to come on in. They're like, come on in. Like. You can get like just you can live here we'll and give you land. We'll give you land. Just made it very here. accessible. We'll cut down all these trees and just have this place. Absolutely. And then you also have laws that you know disenfranchise darker skinned folks or people who are connected to like African descent. They you know made it harder for these folks to practice like their you know traditions of spirituality and things yeah, like yeah. that. So just snuffing out that culture putting them on the front lines of war, just all these sort of things of just, you know, erasing this, this group of people. And just literally like, yeah, come over here and like, you know, have our babies and whiten the race. Right. Yes. yes. And so they're lightening the race there. And again, you're also, you know, quality of education, quality of life. And so you essentially just have this caste system that gets created. So, or you even hear stories of, you know, uh, of folks who are black and of Latinx descent and, you know, going to a, a hairdressing salon in, you know, uh, in their community. And they're told that they have pelo malo, which is bad, bad hair. hair. Right. So it's it's there's just a lot. And so there is this movement that actually got started in 2018, 2019, a hashtag called Latina Dad is canceled. And I was kind of like, I don't know if that is the, is that the right way to go? Like, I just get like, I'm so much about wanting to empower different communities. Isn't about like creating space for, for folks to like acknowledging the shortcomings that like, oh yeah, you're right. We were falling into white supremacy traps. How do we. And, and because white supremacy is everywhere, we are always falling into those traps, right? Like you've got to, it's called anti-racist work. You've Mm -hmm. got to actively practice it. I don't know. I mean, I'm still, I'm, 
I mean, maybe it's because I'm wrapped in my blanket. I'm like, <laughs> I, I see both points of views. Yeah. I see both. I, I think of a good friend of mine from Oakland who is a community organizer, and she loves the concept POC. Mm. She's got issue with BIPOC now. Really? She's like, no, no, no. We need to band together. That's mm. how we have power. That's mm-hmm. how we organize. We are one, and we move forward together. Um, I was a big fan of POC, and I didn't know why we had to change it up. And now but we're you a know POC. We gotta... I think it's interchange. I mean, you use it how you need to to get where I'm you need to go. I'm going to go back to POC. BIPOC? POC? I do not co-sign on BIPOC. That's where I draw the line. Well, this is where you got to say all the letters. Oh, yes, B-I-P-O-C. Because BIPOC, it just sounds like bisexual POC person or I Tupac. See. I see that. You got to If we if we're gonna BIPOC it, we got to see each Tupac, one of those letters. I drove by Marin High School where Tupac went to school. Did you know? Funny to think that he went to school in Marin. I know it's so strange. <laughs> but he went to like an art school. Like yeah. he, you know. And his mama was a Black Panther. Yes. How cool! I mean, mm-hmm. of course, it makes so much sense. I mean, anyways, yeah. That was not the what we were talking about. But although my friend is from, from Oakland, Tupac's from Oakland. That's how we got there. I, so I understand why you'd want to cancel that. Because it's in there. It's embedded and it deserves to be called out. And there's something about Latinos coming together and trying to find their own. Um, I don't know if it's reconciliation, but you mentioned AAPI folks who were like, hey, we've had wars. Um, so has Latin America, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I again, I was traveling Colombia. I was traveling Peru. Peru has a chip on its shoulder and is like, hey, Ecuador is supposed to be Peru. Uh, Colombia is supposed to be Peru. I, they made up those lines and that's not cool. So there's even stuff and beef among uh, Latin American countries. You talked about Argentina being whitewashed. Um, but I feel like that's thinking the case. they're better than. There's but, just. But that's lots. the case I would say with like just as human beings. Like I mean, even like you know, uh, with black people, I think we are not a monolith as well, right? And yeah. so that's with every culture group and community. I think my thing is again as just someone. I, you know, I, <laughs> I just feel like I get to be in the room because I have a card and it's like, you know, I can kind of stand in the back of the room here. But I think <laughs> I just am just wanting to make sure because these groups and communities are so, like you were, your friend was saying, we're so much stronger together. I think yeah. like who benefits from their being. And I, I think, I, I think this conversation is great. And I think let's not let it deteriorate from the possibility of finding what is that new term then i think it just needs to evolve i think creates that next that that create create that next thing latinidad exes Ooh, something else like it's whatever that is because i there was a woman who wrote uh an article when it comes we'll link it in the show notes when it comes to latinidad who is included and she'd mentioned you know there are you know 33 latin american and caribbean countries um and she was just pretty much saying that, you know, when you say these terms like Latinx or Hispanic, like it benefits mostly white, straight, cisgender, wealthy, able-bodied men who yes. get centered. Because then they're able to say, well, uh, give me space. And then who's at the forefront of it? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, with white, straight, not white, straight gay men. <laughs> with white gay men taking the charge from, you know, uh, queer civil rights yeah. uh, on the backs of, you know, uh, trans women of color who yes. were really down in the forefront laying the ground in the last minute they come to the forefront because they're the poster child yes and what's e- comfortable more, to more look at easily digestible for their uncle in tennessee or something and it still happens today that's mm. why we've got all these biases in the hiring process but I like acknowledging that like there are the folks who are like, I'm so proud to be Hispanic, right? And I get that, I understand that. And then there's the people who are like, 
I'm black and Latinx and I don't feel included in this, yeah. right? And some of them will just say, I'm black. They There's don't work identi- to do. They don't identify with their Latinx side. But I'm also like, well, hey, us in the black community are not also, we're waking up to this idea that wait there are black we have black brothers and sisters who are also latinx like we're yeah, coming yeah. awake to Afro that Latinos. and we need to also be making space for that too and we talk about black history month as well making space so there is work on like all all sides all fronts. and so i just wanted to just you know everybody don't walk away from the table because we need to bound we can't have we, you. we can't have 50 different bubbles and we groups can, we can we can have 50 different bubbles <laughs> and groups well i just think that this is a moment as i said everyone is having a come to Jesus moment in terms of like how their communities or themselves are connected to anti-blackness and having to answer those questions. And I think it's a new conversation I would say for the Latinx community that it's very fresh. I would say, don't shy away from it and, and, Mm -hmm. and keep on, keep on getting in there. And I think that this can be part of the conversation this month as we celebrate 2.5% of me, hundred percent of you. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> What's that sound? Oh, that's me just pretending to drink some Soylent. Soylent, s-s-soylent. Drink your Soylent and pay your rent. You can do both. You can do so much with Soylent. So the folks at Soylent don't think that Soylent will necessarily replace all of your meals, but it will come in handy for those times when you just can't get around to cooking. You're busy, you're running out the door, maybe you're not feeling well. It's that thing that you're just grabbing on the go. You just don't have time. You don't want to cook. You don't like to cook. And maybe you just don't feel like eating a full heavy meal. Maybe it's late at night and instead of reaching for that extra cookie, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to have a little bit of Soylent to give me some of that good, good nutrients that I need. So I have tried the Complete Energy one, which I've really enjoyed. You know, I'm not trying to cut back on my coffee. Sometimes it gets me too much of the anxiety. So this has been really nice. It's the first complete nutrition nootropic shake to fuel your mind and your body. It's formulated with a proprietary blend of B vitamins, caffeine, and a bunch of other things that I can't necessarily pronounce. Or I mean, I could. I'll try. IO triacine and alpha GPC plus 15 grams of plant protein and 39 essential nutrients. Look at me. Sound it out, James. Use those dashes. It's a delicious way to keep you going throughout the day without sugar highs and lows. I will say no crashes or burns with this and I don't get too crazy. So that way when I'm at work, they're like, whoa, too much, James. That doesn't happen. Not on this. Just the right amount gets me in that sweet, good, good spot. So I love it because it's quick. It's easy. Put something in my belly and gives me that fuel that I need to go because I'm doing so many things. So you can do it too. It's much healthier than fast food or reaching for that bag of chips or some cookies. It's healthy. We love it. So go to Soylent.com minority and use code minority to get 20% off your first order. That is Soylent.com minority and code MINORITY for 20% off your first order. Soylent. Mr. Robotman, what are you doing? I'm just taking one last look at my co-workers. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Black, the space will be with you always.
Sorry, who are you again? Is Master Kieran? <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Doll, you have to do it. You have to shoot Black. Okay. You shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. Oh, I'm flying. I'm flying. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix. The final season on Maximum Fun. Bitty bitty bam bam. A bitty bitty bam bam. A bitty 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 bam bam. A bitty 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 nice. bitty bitty bam bam. Cause I watched going back to how come I don't know more Spanish. I feel so welcomed right now. <laughs> I this watched... DEIB research has paid off. I watched no, this is like I this is in my, my blood. I watched Selena like at Selena's uh every year in spanish class at least sometimes <laughs> twice a year in spanish class I was like we should have watched selena in preparation like, i've seen it and you enough. were like no in fact here's the thing i can only watch selena up until the point when she's like okay i'm gonna go meet yolanda at the hotel and i turn the movie off because i've always I'm like picking up on a theme it's not even the 9 11 towers are we going to another trauma <laughs> i have my fear of death we're at level that- five we're five everyone if you're keeping track nuggets oh, man we're digging deep into trauma this week i did not expect this of course natalie comes to the show and we just dive into my levels of trauma i literally she goes she's like i'm gonna meet yolanda and i turn the tv yeah, off yeah you, we don't need to see that yolanda's getting out of prison yeah yeah she's up for pearl soon mm, she's still alive i can't handle this i can't handle it's it. it's strange because it and was I'm a latina of you of the blue pill see keep me asleep there's I want to live in the world, the alternate reality where Selena is still alive. She would have been 49. Uh. Thank you, OprahDaily.com. Who would have thought that that's the source? She would have been 49 years old, which is kind yeah. of awesome. She's yeah. so young, so young. Oh, my God. She's like, I mean, wow. Well, and J-Lo would not have a career. Correct. This is Natalie's Corner. Selena. Who is Selena Quintanilla? Do you know? What do you know about her? I told you. I've watched that movie a million times in, <laughs> in Spanish, Spanish class. Sometimes class. twice in a you year. And sometimes on TNT. You only did it up to three years. You said, I've done Spanish up to three years so in high school. I've seen it at least. Six times. No, 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 no. Because you're not at least, you're not even including the times I just watched it at home on TNT. Oh, yeah, yeah. TNT must have owned the rights because I've seen it on TNT oh, also. I mean, so many times. You could just jump in and out. And it was Anything great. for Selena. Anything for Selena. So... Kind have of you dorky. watched the Netflix series? No, I have not. Why? I want to talk to you about this. Okay. Wait, but first I want to share this really cute story of how this is like the only artist, like musician artist that I ever have like a t-shirt of, you mm. know, the t-shirt Never with the big it. celebrity yeah. face on it. I had maybe like two or three and I would sleep in them. So there's pictures of me as a little girl with like big Selena t-shirts like from her concerts, which I've never been to her concerts. <laughs> so I don't know how I got that shirt. Maybe my family would give it to me, but... That was such a big deal to have like a Latina mm-hmm. artist or celebrity, and then mm. I could wear her clothes and sleep in PJs with her face on it. Mm. She was like my new kids on the block. Well, and I love it because it was more connected to like you know just some white boys that you had rubbing up on your chest. Yeah, that's strange. I didn't have that. Thank goodness. Menudo? Anyway, no, tampoco. Mm. You think you were too young for Menudo? And bo- and new kids on the block. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> I was okay. an in-sinker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was into both. I had a new kids on the block keyboard. I like that. I remember sleeping on a new nope, kids on the block. Selena. PJs. Keeping you on Back to topic. my Selena PJs. Okay, this is Natalie's corner. Okay, so her death was a Latina Latina crime. We could talk about that. It was oh. her number one fan. Yeah. Who then turned like employer, employee, mm. who then killed her at a day's in parking lot. Mm. Spoiler alert. That's what happens in the movie when you turn it I off. Think- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I had a feeling. Thank Wait, you. I, or I just fast forward that scene. It's her singing and then the rose. It's so beautiful. It's so beautifully done. Yes, J-Lo was in that movie. And that's what kicked um, out her career. She literally then had the career that Selena did not have. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Selena's like embodied her. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They've got like this dual life situation, this karmic mm, cycle together. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Okay, Yahoo Entertainment calls her one of the greatest, most emblematic Latin musical figures of all time. I've got a fun fact corner for you, so I'm going to be spitting some funny facts okay. or some fun facts. Um this is kind of cool. She was nicknamed the Tejano Madonna. Uh-huh. So she's Tex-Mex. You said that they were funny, so I want to give a laugh. Oh, thank you. A Tejano, I mean, Tejano Madonna. I would have never put those two words together. Tejano, Tejano Madonna? Tejano Madonna. Tejano Madonna. Tejano Madonna. Yeah. It's so sad because who just, I just keep going back to what could have been. She, wa- I mean, she was the first Latin American artist or Tex-Mex artist to win a Grammy. Yeah. Right? She was taking off. She had her boutique. She had her... <sighs> Her fashion Hot hubby. Line. She, yeah. yeah. She had just got her crossover album had happened. She Ah, that was one of the fun facts. She's one of the first, or she's she's kind of credited for having the first crossover language. So being a big musical star that speaks in both English and Spanish. Now it's kind of common. The Selena Gomez, the Shakiras. Mm. Oh my gosh, Justin Bieber even goes and speaks uh, in Spanish. Christina Harry Aguilera. Styles. Yes, but she was the first. So it was just sort of this big cusp, speaking of Latinidad, marking some sort of latino legacy in not just american culture but i think latin american mm, culture mm-hmm. and then like at 25 out of there selena died over 20 something years ago i wish i had better stats i'm gonna look it up so that you can have it in your in your bio but there's a lot that has come out the mac line you know mac the cosmetic line mm-hmm. they came out with a selena collection it's sold out in like two hours yes they put out like a 14 piece makeup set mm. in her honor and it's sold out she is officially on TikTok starting yesterday. Fun fact. Wow. She has oh. an official page where she'll put play her music, and it's a way for the new generation to have access oh, to her good. and her songs and her dance moves I, and her I've outfits. been to a Selena drag night before <gasps> at uh, Club Poppy, and it was it's love. It was amazing. Oh, just, it was my God. fucking amazing. I can't and Just being even. around other, like, queer Latinos and, like, just getting to be around them as, like, they're seeing their icon. Yes alive there's Tejano Madonna and they're so fucking like it just it's, it's amazing her it's costumes were epic amazing iconic iconic yes iconic she, 1985 icon. March 31st 1985 is when she died thank you I can't do math can you and do math I'm dreaming um What's on tell me about the Netflix favorites? series before I move on to my other phone so fact. there's a there's a Netflix series I haven't seen it it's on Netflix it is starring I want to look up that chick name. from Twilight and the, the walking woman. dead the woman look at Twilight. you but she went to do this netflix series i love the series i mean i guess my thing is i love the movie so yeah, much the that, movie was really well done but i think that perhaps it's like you said it has been like 20 years it's for another generation to fall in love yep and to access her and like you said there's probably more information and then a netflix series can probably dive even deeper than an hour and a half 
movie but could. But here's the issue, and we go back to the colorism. The, mm. the more we retell Selena's story, this was part of the criticism and why I chose not to watch it, the thinner she gets and mm. the wider she gets mm. and the wider her family gets oh, in telling her story. Interesting. So I... Is it that she's becoming accessible or are we just using it to make money? Mm-hmm. And you're mm. telling the white version of the story that you mm-hmm. want to tell that sells. Which is going in the wrong direction where we need to like, again, like we said. Because she was gonna, curvy. If we're and gonna she do was the, dark. Yeah. And if we're going to do skin. the Latin, if we're going to do this, like what is what is Latinx who gets to fit in? We really need to, based on the last corner we just had, show the full color and scale in the diaspora of it it's huge and it's big and everyone should be included in part of that story and we also i'm looking at this cast and it's pretty uh there's not a uh, i don't see a a darker skin latinx person involved but netflix i think we were saying yes we want you to tell stories but we want you to do it with the full spectrum yes because the full spectrum of the human experience and body and type and skin color and accent and hair and add 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 more details what else is part of humanity ah i wish you were in this latinx group i'm trying to run (laughs) (laughs) come talk to the kids no you're supposed to accept them as they are it's a belonging club exciting (laughs) it's part of their they just gotta get it out Mm. they gotta get it out remember me earlier Okay, here's some really, I think I you don't know this I can't hear you're not talking to your microphone. Oh, my She's goodness. She's so comfortable. She's practically <laughs> laying on the couch. The microphone could not sitting, be further away. She's like. I look like I'm in a yoga position right now. <laughs> like my legs are crossed. Back. Meanwhile, I'm like on the edge of my seat speaking into my microphone, giving you all of my words, my T's, my B's, my D's, all my letters. Okay, here I am. Here's my breasts. Here's my chin. Well, now it's just pointing at your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's one. a fact that I think you don't know. Ready? Also, they were fun facts, not funny facts. <laughs> I don't need to laugh after each no. one. You said okay. funny. <laughs> there are three people out there who got their PhDs. Yes. From Selena Legacy Writing. Wow. Right? Okay, so you didn't know that one? I didn't know. Are you one of them? No. Although I kind of am like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, you could get your PhD. Dr. Deborah Vargas, an associate professor of ethnic studies at UC Riverside. Hello, Dr. Vargas. Wrote an essay on Selena, colon, sounding a queer transnational Latino queer imaginary. Imaginary? Imagery. Image and heap. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's another Damn. actress, and she does not get time on this corner. Okay, sorry, it's gonna go to that. <laughs> but this is what you were talking about: <laughs> the queer drag queens. Is yes, it? they love her. Yes, that's what she put in this essay. She says explores the appropriation of Selena's persona by the queer community. Mm-hmm. And how Selena's integration of disco and freestyle elements into mm. her music made her an instant icon with the gay community. Her she version, got a PhD proving that. Her version of Last Dance is the only version. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Donna mm-hmm. Summer. I mean, they both can mm-hmm. exist, mm-hmm. but I love her. Mm-hmm. Let's dance. And that purple unitard. I mean, dance. with the. What are these bell bottoms? Yes, the bell the bottoms. Ruffles, mm-hmm. bell bottoms. Yes. And she created that. I need to go watch this movie. That's <laughs> for the, what I'm watching. For the 12th time. Your yeah. Spanish teacher would be so proud. Mm-hmm. What did you walk away with? Watching. Okay. Want to hear about the second professor? Yes. Okay. The second professor. PhD in Selena. UT Austin professor. Oh, I'm seeing a theme here. Also named Deborah. Deborah <laughs> Parades <laughs> explores how people remember and celebrate Selena. Mm. She coined the term Selenidad. <gasps> Sound familiar? 
Yeah, and she wrote Could a book. that be our new term? Would everybody identify and fit underneath it? And that would You're, fit are you everybody? saying it would unify us? I'm wondering if that, because she I think you is, should try it. I think you should try it. I mean, unifier, Selena Dodd. It's true. I would be kind of fucking amazing with a great tribute. I think you should try it. I think we, yeah. Because I think like you can't. You're onto something. Anybody who's like. Who's going to cancel Selena that You can't. And we say like. And then we're inclusive in it. We're like, everybody is here. We're making space for everybody. Have you seen the SNL show video? Yes, I'm going off topic, but I promise I'm going to come back to it. Where everyone's fighting at the Thanksgiving table, Thanksgiving dinner table. But then Adele comes on and she, the song comes on and everyone happens to know her lyrics. Oh, Do you remember that? that? One. No. What? I okay. Know. Well, if you had that. seen it, <laughs> this would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> this would make sense. No, I don't remember that one. Yeah. It's about Sounds how Adele's funny. songs unify people. And Selena, Selena would, would unify the people. The Selena Dodd. I'm here for it. So she wrote a book on it in twenty in two thousand and nine, and it refers to fan websites, murals, performances, anything that honors Selena's memory. Mm. Isn't that awesome? You're for it. Selenidad. So you can coin a term, write a book, write an essay, write a book, get your PhD. Go in on it. tour, get all the peoples together. I think and it's then fascinating. It's so nerdy. It's so nerdy. I love it. But I really am trying to find words that I think again can unify people together. Selenidad, I think, does that. I think we did it. Well, we solved that. Okay, Woo! there's one other PhD out there. Okay. Jose Limon, or one man. Oh, gay. University of Notre Dame, possiblement, explored <laughs> Selena's rise to quasi folk saint status gay. among her fans. Yeah, gay. Yeah, the title's called Selena Colon. Why do they put colon and then like five <laughs> sentences afterwards? What's up with it, elite uh, elite institution <laughs> PhD folks? <laughs> Selena Colon, sexuality, greater Mexico, and the song and dance of hegemony. Hegemony. Oh my God, the title of this episode has to have a million <laughs> titles after that as well. It better have lots of colons. Oh, we're going to have a lot. Of lot. Of Latinidad, Selenidad, oh, yeah. Blanquedad. Oh, yeah. We'll have all the things All the dads. There. It'll be Selenidad. All the dads. Unifying people through their five levels of drama. So she's like quasi-folk saint status. I'm speaking into the microphone so that you'll be proud of me. Um, and he argues Selena's popularity was created by her sexuality presented through song, but more importantly, on stage, where her costumes and dance moves were seen by fans that almost always came with their own traditions of sexual repression. Mm, Isn't that so deep? Yeah. That's, I think, the Madonna piece. Yeah. Well, also, her dad was just like, well, sex sells. Oh, wait, no. He no. was like, you can't wear that. No, but that made a good scene in the movie. How do we know? Like, it what really happened? I wasn't yeah. there. You weren't there. But yeah, Thank it's you. not a bra, dad. It's a bustier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. I am now getting you cast in the stage musical production of Selena. Don't worry. We'll pre-record I'm going to be a girl forever. <laughs> <laughs> this is lovely. OK, have another fun fact. OK. It's similar to your Reagan fact. Spoiler alert. Um. April 16th, 1995 was Selena Day in Texas. And guess who declared it? Ugh, Bush. Yes, George yeah. W. Bush was mm -hmm. Texas's governor, and yeah. he officially declared it. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And then they tried making it a forever thing. Yes. And it didn't pass. Oh. The bill never passed, but they wanted it to be forever. Why was it? Forever. A, and that, was that her birthday? Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
and those were my fun Selena facts in oh. the in the corner. Bitty bitty bum bum. A bitty 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 bum bum. Bitty 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 bum bum. Even I mean the the costumes are so iconic. I had no idea actually until we started talking about it. But I know exactly what outfit she was wearing when she did this performance on stage. Is that her purple outfit? No, no that's it was the red the one when she has like the black. Well, now I'm seeing JLo in it, but I can see both of them in it because she spins a certain way when she dances to this song. I now have the trouble, black leotard. I have trouble remembering what Selena actually looks like because I've seen the movie with JLo so much. She is so beautiful. I, right. I know, but I feel like I've seen JLo doing the moves so much that I forget like what. Sometimes when I see a picture of Selena, I'm like, what? Oh, oh. Also, actually, I have my fifth fun fact. Oh. Selena Gomez is named after Selena Quintanilla. Oh. So there's this big boom. I actually have a cousin named Selena. This big boom of Selena's. That makes sense. That is being termed. And look okay. at this. Is, this and this gorgeous is why Selena gal. Gomez can never just be called Selena. She's the one on the left. Oh, no, I, I know. <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure you got her name. <laughs> but this is why Selena Gomez can't ever just be called Selena because name's taken. Yep. Here's your That's favorite like outfit. The, Oh, I the love purple that one. one. But see, this is why, like, if some up and coming pop star in the next like ten years like comes out and their name is like Madonna Johnson, like they can't just be called Madonna. They will have to be like Madonna Johnson. I mean, who's named Madonna Johnson? <laughs> um, Madonna. Johnson. Apologies, Madonna she's Johnson. Out You're there. out there. I think. I think there's like a dozen. Oh yeah, there's, there's Madonna Johnsons out there. out there. Okay. Well, those are my fun facts. Well, thank you for giving us Wait, this Selena I have tribute. one more thing. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to keep playing you off like you're the Oscars giving a speech. Well, the other thing is that you talk to us so much about uh, September 15th and September 16th and then October 12th and then October 15th, but October 21st. Do you remember what that is? No, what is it? You already forgot. No, I just try to give you leeway. Into oh, yeah. It. Thank you. Latina Equal Pay Day, oh. which is actually really sad. Yeah. So Latinas in the U.S. make 55 cents to the white man dollar. Have you seen the posters that are like, women make 77 cents to the white man's dollar? Or they don't even say the white man. They say to the man's dollar. Yeah. That's white women. And actually, it's gone up. They, white women now make 79 cents to the mm -hmm. white man dollar. Mm -hmm. But Latina women make 55 cents. Black mm -hmm. women make 65 cents. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, and so October 21st is actually how long Latina women have to work a whole almost second year to mm. make what their white man counterparts made at the end of the first year. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that wild? That's really wild, yeah. That's what October 21st means. Wow. Super depressing. I'm hoping you can take us out of this one. I dug my corner bitty, into bitty, a bum, hole. Bum, bum. <laughs> Such a great celebratory. But I think it is acknowledging again, like what would the work that like, like, yes, Selena was like, you know, this high, she was, you know, working her tail off and she probably had to work twice as hard nice. to not even get nearly to where Madonna was. Like she would have had to work so many more years and put yeah. in so much more hustle. Um, and, and, and it's, I think it's still sort of tragic because I feel like there hasn't been, maybe there has, but like, I don't know. There was, been Shakira, but like, no, they feel like like she was cracking through this glass ceiling, and and there wasn't this influx that followed through her because she wasn't able to finish the work that she was just getting started in doing. Yeah, and she did. I mean, I think everyone else stands on her shoulders. I mean, That's she would have been. In, she would have been in movies. Like she would have been. Like we have no idea how yeah. much further. If that La if Latinas done. would be making fifty five 
I mean, sense to the something dollar. Yeah, hundred percent. She could have been making an equal. We wouldn't need an equal pay, Latina equal pay day. I remember when Sofia Vergara was doing Modern Family. Mm-hmm. She was the highest paid actress in mm-hmm. like what was it, Prime TV or mm-hmm. something, Evening TV. Prime time TV. Yeah. yeah, because she had gotten the Coca Cola deal and something other deals, and the fact that she was a Latina was shocking because mm-hmm. she was the highest paid actress. Actress. Yeah. And then. The highest paid Latina ever. Right. Because she had gotten the movie, the show deal and all the other she things. She was doing movies. Came yeah, she was hot. Yeah. yeah. She still is. She's still so hot. Mm-hmm. And In Latinas don't have to just be <laughs> hot, right? They don't just have to be the Sofia Vergara's and the Selena Quintanilla's little announcing a theme of who gets to be famous. <laughs> well, that goes back to our colorism <laughs> issue uh, that we were talking about earlier. But... We're here doing the work. We can celebrate and also push and challenge for us to continue growing and making spaces and dismantling systems of oppression and anti-blackness. But that isn't also to say that other groups are not also pushing up this boulder of oppression, but in that space to not play into white supremacy monopoly. Because the only people that win that game are white, straight, rich men. So don't be fooled, y'all. Don't be fooled because yeah. you only land on that park place and off it's to jail gonna you go. It's not going to go the same way. No. Nope. It's not going to go the same way. Not get invited. Thank well, you. Well, thank you for helping us celebrate our first week into Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month. <laughs> Selena Dodd Heritage Selena. Month. <laughs> yes, Selena Heritage Month. Oh my God, thank you. We solved it. Bitty bitty bum bum. <laughs> That's the only one you know. Bitty bitty bum bum. Well, a big thanks to Natalie. What an episode. Tangents abound, but great discoveries and conversations happen. You know that's my Olivia Pope fixer inside wanting to fix things, and uh, I really hope I didn't share in this episode, y'all. Please let me know if I did. You know I mean well. And what is a Sharon? Well, Sharon is uh, not only my aunt Sharon, but you've got your Karens, but you got your Sharons, who she means well. But she comes into spaces and she is doing the most, and maybe she should isn't shouldn't be taking charge. I really wasn't trying to take charge. I'm not. I'm just trying to get the information out there and help bring about peace, empowerment, and equity. So. Please forgive me if I overset my bounds in this episode. Touted my 2.5%. Am I doing the most? Tell me. Let me know. Tweet at me in a very kind, loving way because you know your boy is sensitive. So we are going to our tweets of the week. The one, it is from at Jess in Seadale. They wrote, Pausing Money Heist and Lucifer watching to start a new show, Q-Force. It's on Netflix, animated show about a bunch of queer spies who are based in West Hollywood. Thanks to Minority Corner for suggesting. I'm five minutes in and loving it. I am so excited. I had to read that tweet because I am also, y'all know, obsessed. And folks are sleeping on the show. It's so good. And you'll have to get views and eyes on it because if we don't watch things, They will get canceled, just like HBO Max has just revealed that they are canceling or not renewing Generation. And we are devastated. Uh, Avi, who has guested on this show before, their partner was one of the writers on the show. And um, I was chatting with them about our outrage that this has happened. And uh, so we have to. We ask for these shows. We ask for visibility. 
and we have to give it eyes and not just those of us who are in the community allies as well get those eyes on it so we can make sure that these stories are happening and that the folks who really really need to see this representation and see their stories being unfolded the most our shows are constantly being canceled because the people at the top are like whoa i don't really get it and no one's really watching it and yet these are communities that really need to see the representation more than anybody else because there's so much other content for straight cis white men and there's just so much to pull from we have so little so all eyes on these queer shows everybody put it on put it on in the background well that's gonna do it for us that is the show uh if you like what you heard let us know Lori fowler is rocking out the instagrams if you're not following at minority corner what are you doing what are you following follow Lori's got some great stuff on there and sarah brown doing all kinds of magical things on our youtube channel so definitely check that out editor producer sarah brown doing it all doing it all and you all y'all are doing it too we love you because you'd be doing it. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening to Minority Corner because together we are the majority. I was hoping we'd all sing it together. For you, Salinas, a bitty bitty bum bum. A bitty bitty bum bum. A bitty 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 bum bum. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported